0: Here's your Deeks Insurance Tip of the Day for controlling your rising insurance premiums.
1: Inquire about the opportunity to purchase accident forgiveness. The Evangelical Group Plan offers a convenient coverage called the Accident Premium Protector. In the event of a loss, your rates won't be affected on renewal as a result of the claim. For other helpful tips or for a
2: no-obligation quote on your current insurance, call Deeks Insurance. 1-800-240-5283. Deeksinsurance.ca.
1: As we bond with our kids and hang out with our kids and they get to know us, they're going to glean so much from us. They're going to glean so many values that sometimes that rule of go to bed at this time or you know can't load, download this app with it isn't going to teach them.
3: Jonathan McKee joins us today on Focus on the Family.
0: I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. All right, John, have you ever done something that you weren't really sure about and thought to yourself, Man, I wish I could do a do-over. Uh, it, pretty much every day of my life these <laughs> Come days. Come on, that's too I hard
3: mean, I, I yell at the kids, I say something to somebody. I mean, it's not like I've, uh, I've blown
0: it totally today, but <laughs> there are moments today I'd like to relive. Well, I think all of us have had that situation, maybe several times a day, maybe every once in a while. But when it comes to parenting, I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we would want to do a do-over here or there. I just had it last night, man. Um, Trent spilled a... A drink in my car and I was not happy. I had to slip a note under the door saying I'm so sorry I love my interior of my car more than you last night so please forgive me for not being the happiest person when you spilt your coke in my in my it's car. It's okay you can let it out. Yeah, here. Kinda, it's it's a safe the place. Therapy. But that would have been a little chance for a do-over uh, but today we want to talk about that when it comes to parents uh, wanting a do-over for those of us that are still in that role. Let's hear from someone who's been through it and can uh, point the way to those uh, moments when maybe you can get it right the first time. Yeah, and uh, our guest today is going to help us
3: learn how to um, do battle well and get through it all. Uh, Jonathan McKee is with us. He is very candid about his share of parenting flubs, as he calls them, and he wants to help us, and I'm saying us because I'm here. <laughs> I
0: need this content so much. I'm Jim. glad you're saying this, Jonathan. He John. wants to
3: help us uh, learn to become better and wiser as we help our kids become adults. He's got over 20 years of youth ministry experience. Jonathan speaks to parents and leaders and teens worldwide, and he and his wife, Lori, have three adult children.
0: Jonathan, welcome
1: back to Focus. Oh, so glad to be here.
0: Okay, we've got to start with the question. What's the biggest do-over
1: you would want to have? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I think for me, and, and and there are so many. I'm right there with you hearing you guys talk <laughs> about this. But it's probably a, much like incidents like you say, like, you know, something dumb, like a, a spill or a whatever, know. you know, where, where I just... You know, let my temper get the best of me. And I I remember moments like that.
0: Let me ask you this, because some of that is born out of our family of origin. I mean, that's what you learn as a child from your Mm -hmm. parents' parenting capability. We bring a lot of that into our parenting, don't we? And even to the point where your kids someday will say to you, you're just like grandpa
1: Mm -hmm. or you're just like grandma. And you go, cringe- well, I mean, we can teach what we know, but we can only reproduce who we are. And uh so I mean, it is as parents, I mean, we could, you know, have all kinds of rules and all kinds of stuff, but in- inevitably they're going to be watching us, and, and that's the scary thing. If if we handle situations a certain way, which you know, inappropriate, that's probably how they're going to handle those situations. So, in your
0: speaking and talking to thousands of of
1: parents about their flubs as yeah. you call them, um what's the most common flub? Well, you know, th- this is one of those things where I start to hear the same thing over and over again. Because as I was asking parents, like at my workshops, and and um, I started to hear the same thing, where, where a lot of parents were kind of saying, man, I wish I would have done this. And I think the interesting thing to me was we don't have a lot of venues where parents can share this. That I mean, think about it. There's not a lot of places where parents just get together and go, hey, uh, um, I messed up the other day. It's kind of embarrassing. Sometimes it's private stuff. You don't want to talk about how you you know, lost your temper and started yelling at your kids or, or whatever it is you did. So I found when I saw these venues, like you'd be at a, at a church where all of a sudden they'd have like a gathering of parents Um, for a Sunday school class and you'd have like a panel of parents up on stage sharing some of this stuff, I noticed that parents were like, I mean, pens were out. They were taking notes because whenever a parent says, I wish if I had a chance to do it over again, I would do this. Man, everybody's paying full attention. So so when I Mm -hmm. saw this and noticed that, man, this, this is good information. What if we harnessed a bunch of the information so I started asking parents and I asked literally hundreds of parents personally at parent workshops um did posts uh, to my readers and stuff I said come on share what is it if you could do one thing over again what would you do over and the answer started to come in and and overwhelmingly the number one answer in, in however they worded it came out something like I wish I would have spent more time with my kid more time. I wish I would have hung out with my kid. I wish I would have put my kid to bed more and actually, instead of saying goodnight yeah. from downstairs, you know, I wish I would have um, actually showed up at their stuff more. I wish yeah. I would have, you know, instead of watching them play in the ocean from the sand, I wish I would have gone in the ocean with them over and over again, that was the overwhelming answer. By far, nothing came close.
0: Well, that's the end of the program then, John. I mean, we know what to do. Spend more time. You talked in your book about bonding and boundaries, and you're alluding to that right now. But I love that uh, common word phrase, because that helps keep it simple for me as a dad. Bonding and boundaries. Uh, What's the conflict
1: and what do we do with it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both very important elements in parenting. In, In any parenting relationship, a lot of us... Obviously, we'll have boundaries with our kids. They're important. That's when we're telling them, you know, hey, you know, you need to go to bed at this time or sorry, no phone in the bedroom or whatever those rules are. But bonding is that time where we're hanging out with our kids. We're talking with our kids. We're we're, we're laughing over pizza, you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. And both these are, very important. But it's funny, if you think about it, most parents, even, even listening, they immediately start kind of thinking that most of us gravitate towards one or the other a little more. You know, some of us are just better at the hanging out, not so good at the, you know, imposing any boundaries. Some of us, we're kind of, we tend to gravitate more towards the boundaries. And, and, and my point in that chapter and talking about that is that I think we should tip the scales towards the bonding. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying let your kids do whatever they want. I'm just saying if you, you know, I, me personally, for example, I let my boundaries hinder my bonding. Because when I would walk in a room, it was very much, I was the parole officer. I was like, hey, feet off the couch. You know, what are you doing? What are you watching? What? And you could just even see it. Uh, the expression on their faces is they're kind of like, uh-oh, what am I doing wrong? Hmm. And I think the thing that a lot of parents aren't thinking about is, you know, if mom and dad don't have a relationship with their kids, then most likely they're going to glean values from other sources. And well, it's let scary. me
0: let me tease that out a little bit because mm-hmm. I think so often the Lord uh, draws opposites together. Not always, and I know we're going to hear from somebody, John, who says my husband and I are very similar. I get that. Eighty twenty rule would probably apply here, uh, where you're opposites. Certainly true of Gene and I. And a boundary parent isn't doesn't look too kindly on a bonding parent, <laughs> and vice versa. You know, a bonding parent has a problem with boundary parenting. How do you talk that through, uh, you know, when you put your head on the pillow at night and you guys are struggling with
1: something and you are all about bonding. Well, you're all about boundaries. Yeah, and, and it would be difficult too because I'm sure that the boundary parent would be like, you know, you're always the good guy. Because you always just get to hang out. You have just want fun, the fun. Yeah. You know, and this kind of stuff. Um and that's why both parents need to be on board with this, you know? And because both parents need to kind of understand that both are important. And you're right, some people gravitate towards one or the other, but I would go as far as to even tell that boundary parent that if that's all you are, you might need to even go on a boundary fast. Well, let me ask you this too, though. Who gets to assess
0: whether that's all you are, the child or you, the parent that's the boundary parent? I
1: always ask parents. I say, think about it. I mean, our listeners right now are probably thinking, you know, which one are you? And I ask them, I say, which one would your kids say you are? Forget what you say you are. Which one would your kids say well, you are? Well, that's the point. Yeah, it, I think if exactly. you ask your kids, they'll tell you. Yeah. And, and and you know what? That's a good discussion to have. Of course, uh, no. Then then the parent says, well, that, that's not accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start arguing with the child. Well, and, and, and the thing is, as we start thinking about this, I think parents sometimes think, okay, boundaries... Are where I'm going to teach my kids because if I can regiment some of these disciplines in their lives, that's where they're going to learn. And my point is just to kind of raise awareness that, you know, so much of what our kids are going to learn is because when they're hanging out with us, they're going to see how we treat that waitress, how we treat, you know, how we react in anger, Mm. how we do this. And as we bond with our kids and hang out with our kids and they get to know us, they're going to glean so much from us. They're going to glean so many values. That sometimes that rule of go to bed at this time or you know can't load download this app with it isn't going to teach them.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me uh, throw you this one: huh? Is God a boundary God or a
1: bonding God? Well, we're looking at the God who looked down at us on on Earth and decided Himself to come down, become flesh, you know, God incarnate, and dwell among us he walked and and rubbed shoulders with us and he was i mean he was out there connecting with people and when he met with the most hideous of sinners his reaction wasn't a bunch of rules his reaction was to have a conversation with them and and he wasn't okay with their sin but he was okay to say hey i don't care where you've been i care where you're going and that relational god who wants a relationship with us um you know all through the scripture we see that that love is this resounding theme that, that, you know, we can know everything and prophesy and this and that, but if we don't have love, we've got nothing. So relationships are obviously of a very high value. Well, I think when you look at it that way, I think bonding is what
0: provides healthy boundaries and respect for those boundaries. I think it was Josh McDowell who said, uh, you know, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And that's a beautiful way to say that. I'll say it again in case you want to write it down when you're listening there, but rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And it's so true, isn't it?
1: Well, absolutely. And and before people start calling in and complaining, uh, you know, I am not saying, you know, don't have any rules whatsoever as a matter of fact you know if you get later in the book you'll sit there and see where I start talking about hey what's it like to have a social media presence in your kids lives and stuff and some kids will even say whoa wait a second you know turning off my phone at night you know oh I'll you know I can have Instagram if you have Instagram with me and are my friend you know I'm very for being in your kid's life and being a part of this and having boundaries my point on the bonding and boundaries is simply let's tip the scales towards bonding This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: You have influence. Discover practical tools to develop your influence and inspire a hope-filled leadership culture at this year's Global Leadership Summit. Join the live online broadcast across Canada, August 6 to 7, when thousands of everyday leaders will learn from our world-class diverse faculty that will address both the challenges and opportunities of leading during these times. Tickets for the full two-day experience are $149. Register today for the Global Leadership Summit at GLS2020.ca.
2: As families continue to self-isolate because of COVID-19, the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed in our homes now more than ever. That's why Focus on the Family is providing a free four-week trial of the Adventures and Odyssey Club, where families can listen to the full Odyssey library of over 800 episodes, daily devotions, and more. The sign-up process is easy and no credit card is required. In addition, we have just released a new online streaming service called Focus at Home. Focus at Home brings hours of biblically-based, family-friendly entertainment created by Focus on the Family. Movies and audio adventures, readings of best selling children's books, biblical lessons straight from the Holy Land, and more. Best of all, this will be free of charge during the COVID 19 crisis. For more resources to help your family thrive in these uncertain times, please visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca. That's FocusOnTheFamily.ca.
3: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Jonathan, my experience has been that I'm a boundaries guy. I've learned to let go and to really try to dial into the bonding aspects, the relational aspects. But age has something to do with this as well, doesn't it? I mean, 2 year age or the kids' well, age? Well, <laughs> I'm thinking the kids' age. So you know, two, three, four. There are a lot of external rules because so much of life has to be learned. When they hit the teens, you got to kind of let go. Uh, but it's harder to find a commonality. I mean, you want to play a board game tonight? No. So you know, finding the relational
1: time and activity is kind of hard for us. Yeah, and that was our conversation last time I was on the show, talking about finding these venues to connect, especially with kids that can't pry their eyes from their mobile devices. That that is tough. But it, it is interesting how we, as parents, especially as our kids get older, when I asked parents. Uh, empty nesters, parents with kids that were seniors and juniors, by far the one regret they had was not having as much of that hangout time. Uh, as a matter of fact, less than 2% of people that responded actually said something like, I wish I had more boundaries, mm-hmm. less than 2%. The majority of them were like, I should have hung out more. So, so that's, that's where I'm a big advocate of saying, look for these venues. So you're saying it's not
3: really a matter of the child's age. Go for relationship as much as possible.
0: Well, and another thing that I liked in your book, uh, if I had a parenting do-over, seven vital changes I'd make, was to say yes as often as you can. Someone that used to work here at Focus, Clark Miller, used to say that often. Uh, say yes. That was his parenting do-over. Well,
1: well, that's And that's one of the things that's kind of a look back. For me, uh, with my older kids, I, I remember – honestly, embarrassing times where, you know, hey, hey, dad, you want to play Xbox or, and, and me kind of saying, hey, I'm busy. And, and by the time I got to my youngest, and, and sadly, it really was by the time I got to my youngest, I remember just, just making an oath to myself. I don't care how busy you are, Jonathan, you know, because my other two were out of the house. And I'm like, if my youngest, who is now a junior, comes up, and there was times I remember stacked, a stack on my desk to the ceiling, you know, an inbox so full and I had to leave the next day and all this different stuff. And my daughter coming up and asking, you know, Hey, you want to go to lunch? And the only natural answer would be, I just absolutely don't have time. And I I had made an oath and I was like, yes. And I share experiences like that in the book where I just remember saying yes on a day where I didn't have time and looking back and going, Wow, that was that was one of those amazing moments. Well, it was because of saying yes. Yeah, and as
0: a parent of teens, you talked about the coat incident of twenty twelve. Let's get right to it.
1: <laughs> I, I love that a, that a parenting
0: re- redo uh,
3: moment is actually worthy of a title. Yes. Well, like
1: well that. and that's in my chapter that I called "Let It Go," because see, one thing you mentioned, John, about the age is you know not only do they not want to hang out with us as much, you know, as our kids you know grow into adolescence and become teenagers you know, they are just vying for independence, you know. And the thing that's so hard is as parents, no matter what we do, very often, you know, we can walk in and and say, you know, oh, it's a beautiful day. Well, actually, not really. I've had bad, you know, they'll, they'll just, they want to just argue with everything you say, you know. And you're like, what is wrong with you? You know, and, and this is, I mean, any parent of teenager knows. I mean, it's the most humbling experience ever being a parent of, of a well, it's you, hard to be wrong so long, and so often. I mean, we are so stupid, and they are so smart. You know, and to live with such geniuses in the house is so, <laughs> is so rough. And, and, and you know, it's hard because as a parent who knows better, there's times. And and that particular instance, my daughter was walking down the stairs, and and it's January; it's freezing outside. And I said, apparently, the most cruel word, words you could ever say as a parent. I said, "Where's your coat?" <laughs> and that started and that just started it right there because she was like i don't need gonna... a coat yeah yeah she uh, literally she was i don't need a coat and i was like hey there was frost on all the cars outside you could see your breath the cat is frozen solid on the back lawn get your coat and it started world war Three. i mean just you know because i thought to myself you know this is one of those things where i'm just going to put the this foot down this is the hill to die yeah on. and looking back that's one of those moments where i'm like jonathan let it go. It's a coat. What's the worst that's going to happen? She's going to go to school. She's going to be so cold that she's going to realize, dang, I really should have brought a coat today. <laughs> well, in that context, though, I mean,
0: you're speaking truth. I'm feeling it. I don't know if you are, John. Uh, I know had many, that
3: conversation not too
0: long ago. Many yeah. of you listening are feeling it as well because we dig in as parents and it becomes more about the, the principle than it does the moment. Well, I want you to wear a coat because you're going to get cold. I know it. Obviously, you don't know it, but you're going to take it. No matter
1: what. And and if we can learn to spot these moments, we'll think ahead and we'll ask ourselves, okay, honestly, is this some, you know, moral value that she's violating here? You know, not wearing a coat, you know, life and death death issue. So often these are things that they actually could learn on their own. And I can't (laughs) tell you how many parents that I surveyed, they came back and they said, I wish I would have let my kids feel the consequences of their own behavior more instead of jumping in and saving them. And that was one of those moments and and letting it go. I heard this one parent say this and and I'll I'll never forget it. This one parent said, if I had a chance to do it over again, I wouldn't sweat the small stuff. And the way he said it was so smart. He actually said, he goes, the very act, he goes, sometimes they would do something and the very act of correcting uh, became so tedious and problematic that it created more of a problem than the original infraction. And as soon as he said that, I recognize it because I'm like, I do that all the time in my house. It's something dumb. Like, you know, I told him to floss and he brushed his teeth, but he didn't floss or whatever. And it became World War III. And it's like, you know what? And, and honestly, it's like, wait, what was this about again? Oh, yeah, Flossing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So,
0: and in your book, you you mention these things. Let it go, which is a great principle. It's probably the hardest for me. I don't know about you, John, but letting it go can be one of the most difficult. Because there's a principle at stake Mm -hmm. here. Like, let's keep the garage clean. Sorry to bring that one. That's one. Another one. (laughs) Another one that you have is press pause. Yeah. It seems like I understand that. What are you getting
1: at? Well, that one hits home, and that's and that's where I get a little vulnerable. Just because, as I look back. I mean, if, I mean, if there's one do-over I could do, it, it's times where I looked where I lost my cool. And um, it's amazing how many other parents I heard share stories of where they said, I just let my temper get the best of me. And it's funny how whenever we look back in those moments, we're like, okay, here's what I should have done. Once I thought about it, and, and so what I really propose in this book is, you know, you've always heard people say the advice of count to 10. Well, man, I, you know, it's I not It's not the thing you naturally I, yeah, go to. I, I don't know if it's my Irish temper or what, but counting to 10 to me is a countdown to blast off, all right? <laughs> you know, that's just, I just get more mad. To me, it's probably count to like a million or whatever. And, <laughs> Try and, a hundred. And, yeah, and, and no, I mean, it's up there for me. And pressing pause for me was one of those things where I had to kind of learn You know, that delay was so crucial. And if there was something, if there was even one of those violations, it was like maybe a moral violation. You know, they lied. They snuck something on their phone or whatever. Being able to take the moment and say, I'll tell you what, you know what? I've got to think about this. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to to put your phone on the dining room table and I want you to go up to your room and we're going to talk about this later. And, And don't give it, they might be like, no, we're going to do it. It's like, no, we're going to talk about this later. And having that, That one moment of wisdom to to be able to press pause like that, that gives you a chance to think it over. And here's the cool thing. Most of us need that time. Most of us, after we blow it, we look back later and go, oh, here's what I should have said. Well, why not take that time in the first place? And and that's one of those things I wish I would have done. I wish I would have just pressed pause. Yeah.
0: Uh, The other one I like is the idea of ending with questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I've tried to do that more so. Just remain calm and ask a question. Role play that for us out of your own experience as a dad. Where would those questions – how did you start to build questions into your dialogue rather than just statements or observations like your room's dirty? Would you say, your room, it's really dirty. How long will it be that way? Well, and in my
1: chapter, which I call add a question mark, the the point I really try to make is instead of constantly – You know, telling them what to do, tell them you (laughs) should do this, ask them what they should do, you know, put it, put, and the thing is I've still, still lead them to the decision instead of telling them decision, lead them to the decision. And as they become now, and here's the thing, again, I've got a whole chapter that's talking about incremental independence. I call it the segue and it's when they're young, there's going to be a lot more guidelines and we are going to be telling them a lot more of what to do. But as they get older and they're starting to vie for independence, that's when we need to start leading them towards these decisions, because we ourselves have our eyes on the fact that, hey, when, he, when they turn 18, they could go join the Marines, they could be in a college dorm, and they're going to be making them these decisions for themselves. Are we equipping them for that day? Mm-hmm. So a lot of this at a question mark is leading them to the decision.
0: You also talk about the need to let go. And I you, you've got three that have, uh, you know, you've launched them. Yeah. How did you and your wife, Lori, how did you truly let go? And was that... Harder for her than it was
1: for you or vice versa? Well, first of all, I'll say that this doesn't end. I mean, like, you know, know, uh, (laughs) our, our... my my girls are, you know, my, my son's on his own. My girls are still in uh, college. Uh, I've got one that's a senior, one's a sophomore, as we talk right now. And I tell you, you know, they come back, you know, for holidays and this and that. And we have to every day remember this. And now we've got these young adults. I've got a 19-year-old, you know, so I've got one teenager left in the house. And I've got a 21-year-old who know everything, by the way, yeah. you know. And there's times where they're vying for this independence. And we have to remind ourselves this is a good thing. You know, I've got to get
0: the three essential tools because I think that was pretty funny. Uh, you talked about duct tape, and oh, I'm yeah. assuming, is that for the parent or for the child?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and that's, I just thought I'd ask. Well, no, and that's in my chapter about noticing our kids and taking the time to notice them because for a lot of parents, the idea of noticing is, oh well let me get that nanny cam with the camera so I can see what they're doing, or let me, you know, get that that spyware software so I can sit there and go, Oh, okay, he's at the drugstore, he's in aisle five, you know, and they're like following every move. And some and, parents are saying, What's wrong with that? Yeah. And my principle that looking back, again, you've got hundreds of parents who are looking back in their parenting and they're saying, Okay. I think I concentrated so much on boundaries. I didn't let my kids make a, enough of these decisions. And, and in this chapter, I simply said, hey, we need to notice our kids. And that's not through spyware or spying on them. Noticing our kids is putting our own phone down and going and spending time with our kids. And the duct tape principle is simply, as parents, so often, I've, I've heard it so many times. So parents will come up to me and say, my kid won't even talk with me. And I say, well, tell me what that looks like. And as these parents share, they say, well, you know, I, I say, well, honestly, what's it typically look like when they come home? And, and they'll share what it's like when it comes home. And it's kind of like, would well, you finish your homework? Did you finish your chores? <laughs> did you finish this? And, and I'm like, well, are you a parent or a parole officer? You know, I mean, it, and, and very often it's just this, you know, this, 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 and they're like, my kids won't talk. And I say, well, why don't you talk with them about something? And again, let's switch from boundaries and go over to bonding. What's something that just would be fun just hanging out with your kids? Something. That, what do they enjoy? And in a lot of moments of candid just vulnerability and honesty, parents will say, in all honesty, I, I don't know what my kids' interests are. And that's where the point of noticing is, hey, why don't we put duct tape over our mouth and why don't we just listen to our kids? Why don't we observe them? And as a youth worker, this is something we youth workers, we use all the time. We just ask a lot of questions and we watch. And and I tell you, I, you know, when I go and speak, to a group of kids, I will sit there and I will literally just lean up against a wall and I will observe kids and I will watch what they're doing. I will watch what they're wearing. I will, and as moms and dads, if our kids are, you know, if we're in a carpool, we can listen, we can hear what they're talking about. And this is so important because it will give us some springboards for conversations we can have with our kids. Uh, Jonathan McKee, uh, fascinating discussion.
0: You have uh, really done your homework and you're good at communicating the important things that parents need to keep their eyeballs on. The one that is screaming at me today is uh, try to be present. Spend time with your children, and they'll want to spend time with you. And the other one for me is just to say yes. I mean, I, I, like you, can give every excuse as to why I'm too busy. And you got to be able to make room, make it a priority to say yes to your children, to do the things, because it goes by fast. You know, Dr. Dobson used to say that. I'm living it now. I know it. It goes by so fast. Those three years, those five years, and bang, they're gone. So I so appreciate your perspective. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, so glad to be here. And
3: again, Jonathan's book is called If I Had a Parenting Do-Over, Seven Vital Changes I'd Make. And you can get your copy at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. And let me ask you to consider making a generous donation when you get in touch with us. Um, The pandemic has affected so many of us. I'm sure you've felt the impact, but Focus on the Family's uh, donations have been down a little bit, and uh, couples and parents are reaching out to us here. We remain uh, committed to helping and uh, meeting as many needs as we can, but that decrease in giving is making it uh, kind of difficult. So uh, we could really use your support right now to continue providing answers and assistance to precious families that need help. You can donate, get help, and get the book when you call 800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. We'll have a great weekend and plan to join us again on Monday as Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi explain the role of joy in marriage and why friendship with your spouse is so important. You think about it, uh, friendship is the foundation of a really good marriage. You want to be good friends. And if you're not playing together, are you really friends?
0: You know?
3: <laughs> on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here at Focus on the Family, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.